Blog Talk Radio. He was up each morning with the dawn because he knew his daily run was long and hard and he had to be ready to get his freight train down the track determination he would never lack the little locomotive called freight train. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Getting on Top. I'm your host, Paul Morris. We're here Tuesdays from 4 to 4.30 p.m. That's East Coast time. And we broadcast from the southern Hudson Valley region of New York State. If you're out of town, it's just the northern suburbs of New York City, my hometown. And we have a call-in number. If someone would like to make a uh, ask a question or make a comment to me or my guest, and that number is one three four seven. Two one five nine four five six, and that little ditty was Freight Train Freddy, from the book of the same name, which is a rhyming children's story about a 19th century freight engine, and um, Peter Tazone sang the song and wrote it, and he's also the illustrator of the book. I am the author, and if anyone would like to see the beautiful pictures that Peter drew, and read some of the rhyming verse that I wrote. You can go to ftfcreations.com. That's FTF as in Freight Train Freddy, creations.com. And you can get the e-version for $2.99 for the Kindle or the iPad, which also has a song, or buy the soft cover version of the book as well. I'm very happy today to have with us Naomi Tickle. And the uh, title of the show is What Makes People Tick? And Naomi is a world-renowned speaker and career consultant. She's appeared on CNN, NBC, the BBC, and numerous radio shows worldwide, and now getting on top on Blog Talk Radio. She has been featured in major newspapers and magazines in England and the United States. She helps people find a career that ignites their passion. They have found her insights to be extremely valuable, validating, and much of what they already know. It is often answers to questions uh, we ask ourselves, like, who am I and what is my life's purpose? Her workshops have been presented in uh, Norwich University, IBM, AT&T, National Semiconductor, and a variety of organizations with diverse interests. Her books, You Can Read a Face Like a Book and Closing the Sale, uh, are used as tools for sales, communications, understanding children, relationships, customer service, team building, career guidance, and personal development. Um, I'm still trying to understand my children after <laughs> they're, they're, they're in their 40s, but maybe this will be helpful to get an idea. Hi, uh, Naomi. How you doing? I'm good, Paul. Thank you. Thank you for Excellent. inviting me to be on your show today. My pleasure. My pleasure. So uh, until I, I got your book, which is fascinating i knew about people who are psychic who who read palms and you know personality types and astrology but i didn't realize that your face can tell your story as well so how did you uh come upon this uh phenomenon well i came upon it about uh 30 years ago actually and 
all my friends were rushing down to have their faces read, and I <laughs> thought this sounded like a very Californian thing to do, and I wasn't going to fall for it. But uh, after hearing their stories, I thought, okay, I'll go down, I'll make an appointment. And uh, it was amazing. I, I've taken a lot of tests over time, but nothing compared to this. So they measured the, the width of the face, position of the ears, slope of forehead, and a few other traits. And they look at a total of about 88 traits. Wow. And uh, anyway, after the session, I could immediately see how this would help a lot of people uh, particularly students and adults who are searching for a career direction and also mm -hmm. improve communications in the in the business world as well. And uh, so this has actually started, or the system I use for reading faces, and it's not intuitive. It's all based on the structure of the face, mm -hmm. and it goes across all cultures. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you see someone with a certain shape, nose, a position, placement of eyes, forehead, texture of hair, it's going to mean exactly the same. Mm. And um, so this was actually started by a judge in Los Angeles back in the 1930s and 40s. And whilst in court, he saw a strong correlation between structure and behavior. These patterns would come up again and again. And so he, together with a team of men, did all the research behind this and using physiognomy, phrenology, which is the lumps and bumps of the head, as mm -hmm. a basis, and then came up with 68 traits with an 88% accuracy. Wow. So, yeah, they did this study on just over 10,000 people. And it's been, uh, and then they did, uh, um, other studies have been conducted over the years, but they were invited to go into the freshman Air Force uh, and see if by using this system they could determine who would stay the course. And they got a 97% accuracy. Wow. That's and they amazing. even indicated the type of aircraft they'd fly. And I, just really? by chance I happened to meet somebody a few years ago, and he had no idea I was aware of this um, information. And he said to me, oh, yes, he said when he heard what I did. So my father was part of a study in 1943 in freshman Air Force, and he never, so he never stopped talking about it. It was so amazing. It is amazing. I, I, You know, you wonder, I get into theory a lot about things. You wonder, you know, how, how did it, why, why they correlate, you know? It doesn't, uh, it, it, I, I believe there's a reason for everything. It's just my, my way of thinking, you know? Yeah. And that, you know, everything happens for a purpose, and do you have any idea or theories about that? Or? Well, you know, I, mean, I know it's how a tough we're question. wired. It's just how we're wired, and this has never really been looked at uh, closely or any studies, uh, scientific studies done. I call this an empirical science uh, right. because many of the traits can actually be seen at the time of birth, like writing, wow. design, the artist, musician, uh, the entrepreneur, the person who's more detailed, the perfectionist someone who's right. very analytical or wants the bottom line. And then once the child gets past puberty, all these traits are fully formed. So we're already wired this way. But as humans, so, what happens, we go through life with so many different experiences, we can sometimes get off track with who we are. Um, you know, One of the traits, which is a critical trait, and we can actually identify that trait by looking at the outer corner of the eye. The outer corner of the eye is lower than the inner corner, 
These are your critics. Now, the gift is precision. They're very good with precision. Let me just back you up before we get into detail for a second. Yeah. Uh, This goes goes right to the heart of nurture versus nature. I mean, right? Well, it is by nature we're this way, but nurturing, the way we're nurtured, can can put a damper on it. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. And it could put, put a child's life on hold for many, many years. And that's why I was giving the example of the critical trait. When people okay. get so criticized going, you know, growing up and going through school, nothing's ever good enough. Right. And so they begin to believe in that and that they feel they can never be good enough. And mm-hmm. so it holds... It holds them back from achieving the goals. I remember meeting this man who was what, 75, and uh, it, actually it was a woman who was about 75, 73, 75, somewhere around there, and she always wanted to be a psychologist. And the parents said, what do you want to do that for? You know, you're, you're, you, know you're, you don't want to listen to people's problems all day, and anything she came up with, they, they put her down. Or, you know, going through school, teachers can say things to children, and uh, like they said to this one young man uh, in, in England, they said, well, who do you think you are to want to be in the competition? So you want, they, you know, you're not one right. of them. And right, so right. we lose belief in ourselves. And so, well, some people you know, do. though we're wired this way, <laughs> outside comments can affect how we grow. Aha. Uh-huh. So the way you're wired determines whether you're affected by other people's impression and suggestions or not, is that what you're saying? Yes, it can be affected by that. And for yes. others, they come out of the worst, dire, most dire conditions and yet seem to sell through life. And right. uh, we wonder why. Right. So you're saying this is predetermined? Because I remember yeah. when I told my older brother, who was 10 years older, well, I was going to be a computer programmer. This is back in 1960. <laughs> he said, oh, what do you want to do? He was an engineer, so he was somewhat familiar what do you want to do that for? That's crazy. You know, that'll drive you crazy. I didn't listen to people that much. I didn't worry about what other people thought. Just my nature. But you know, you wonder why do people make comments like that? You know, whatever the reason. But I just ignored it. But yeah, people are always saying things like that. You know. Yes. So uh, yeah, it, it could be a big problem. Yeah. It does. It's, it's a, it can be a huge problem, not only in growing up, but also in, in business itself or just communicating right. with others. It can send the wrong message. And what this does, uh, Paul, is I, I feel it provides people with a map or a guide as to how to better understand people, the people they interact with, family, friends, and, and say, uh, clients that they meet with. You have an immediate reference point. If somebody suddenly snaps at you, you can see, oh, okay, they're feeling a little bit overwhelmed right now. Let's just you know, take a break and then go back in. And so it helps you to communicate more effectively with people. Well, I can imagine, too, if you know that, you know, you're supposed to be analytical or this and that or musical or whatever it is, and then someone says, no, no, you could say, wait a minute, I know I'm supposed to be, so I, you know, it might give people, you know, more confidence. Has that ever happened like that? And it helps them overcome criticism? Oh, yes, uh, there was criticism? actually a young man that was, he was 17 years of age, and his parents, his mother sent me his photograph for, because I can do these assessments from photographs, sent me a photograph of her son, and he has dyslexia, uh, ADHD, and Asperger's disease, and 
uh, Asperger's syndrome, and then one other uh, pro- issue, and so he couldn't go to university because they wouldn't couldn't accept him there. But he couldn't mm-hmm. go to college, but he wasn't sure what to do. And she said he was, you know, very down. His whole face was, you know, he, he just didn't see any hope. And so they sent me the photographs. I sent back the results of the career suggestions. She said, for the first time in months, she said his whole face lit up. He mm. felt validated. Mm. Yes. And he felt the hope that was there. And I said, you've got the talent, but it's up to you, you know, to, to step into it and, mm-hmm. and, and take your life forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that could be yes. very helpful to people. I mean, there's so many naysayers in the world, especially, you know, it's ironic. The more promise someone has, often the more, more people get threatened by it and try to tell them, hey, I can't do that. Who do you think you are? You know, yeah. blah, 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 you know, and all that stuff. And unfortunately, some people are too uh, influenced by that, and they go through their whole life being miserable because they never did what they should be doing. And that's such a, that's such right. a pity. That's uh, right. I remember meeting this uh, man from Australia, actually. He has absolutely no lips. And that is one trait that changes. And when there's no lips, that indicates people have shut down. They're very angry. Wow. And so the lips get thinner and thinner. And I said to him, well, what happened to you growing up? He said, oh, well, when he was three, his father died. He was sent to uh, live with his uncle. And he said, all the way through school, he was told he had no brains, work with your hands. Mm-hmm. And even when he left school, he was working as a, um, a, 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 some, a, just, an, just a very ordinary job in the offices, um, maintenance. He was a maintenance person. And he would complain about his job. And they said, hey, you know, this is your lot in life. You know, just accept it. And he felt there was always something better for him. But he, uh, the bitterness that was there, and even when he got married, his uncle said to the woman, she said, I don't know what you want to marry him for. <laughs> and, you know, so the anger is there. And as I say, one trait that changes. And these people are more inclined to your introverts because they don't want to get put down, so they hold back. Uh, uh, that's such a shame. I've always told people, don't only listen to people who tell you positive things. <laughs> don't listen <laughs> to people who are negative. No, it's true. You know, well, you never true. nobody it, knows what they're pot, what they're capable of. You know, right. I mean, you're capable of so much more than 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 you have any idea. It's amazing. So you give them an insight into their possibilities, and I think that's. That's fantastic. So tell me, you know, I always like to ask this question because I find it fascinating. When people go into something new like this, you know, that they didn't know about before, you know, what was the biggest surprise to you personally that you found when you were studying this, uh, you know, uh, this type of phenomenon? Well, it, it was interesting because going back to my childhood days, we used to have gypsies camping on our property. Uh, and my mother would feed them. Now, that's a very unusual, you know, people didn't do that in England. They didn't sure, sure. have gypsies on their property because they didn't trust them. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I noticed the structure of their face, and I think, oh, what makes them different from everybody else? 
so when I came across this, it's sort of like something clicked inside me. I said, oh, that's right. Now I remember my fascination by watching, looking at people's faces, uh. but my parents were very encouraging. They said, oh, you're imagining things. Don't be silly. You're embarrassing us. So when I had my chart done, it it was the validation. Because my mother would say, well, why aren't you more like your sister? I said, I don't know. Uh, but there's, I, I, I wasn't, and I didn't know why. Um, you know, I'm sure people get that a lot. You know, why aren't you more like your friends, or why do you want to be that way? And I think it was the beginning of my journey in a sense that it opened up a whole new understanding of human behavior, mm-hmm. not with judging, but from understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened from my childhood interest, it clicked for me, mm-hmm. and I became fascinated. And I was actually doing color consulting at the time for clothing kinds of colors that people could wear in their clothing. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. fortunate to study with Suzanne Cagle, who was the prima donna of, of the color industry. She's now passed mm-hmm. on. But she captured the essence of the person. And whilst I was working with my clients after studying with Suzanne, whilst I was working with my clients, these patterns would come up, like certain greens would come up, like, ah, oh, musical instrument. Or you come from Ireland. Oh, you want to do some good in this world. And people say, yeah. Absolutely. And then we used to paint the red that people would wear. And I mm-hmm. could identify by the red which part of the world their ancestors were from. Mm-hmm. Uh, because That's like produces like. And so you start to see that red is more dominant in some parts of the world than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was it, told by a feng shui person my dominant best colors in it. It was amazing. I didn't really, I kind of knew it, you know, but you don't really think about it that much. That I look better in certain colors like black and dark blue. And it's amazing how, you know, and now that's what I wear. And I could see it's, it's such a difference. I don't know why, but it makes such well, a difference. It's, it's all part of our, the, 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 the human pattern. I think of this as pattern re- face pattern recognition. Uh-huh. And very uh-huh. little has been understood uh, about this. Uh, 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 or even looked into or even researched. I mean, uh-huh. it's been there all our lives, and people right. don't want to believe, oh, you do face reading? Oh, that's, you know, that's some uh, sort, of, sort of voodoo thing uh, or whatever you have, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. say, and they, they look skeptical, and then you give them a few insights. Well, isn't everybody this way? No. Right. Right. And right. it's, uh, so, it you know, it, as far as having my reading, and it, it it's, it reignited my interest because I had been taking uh, courses in behavioral psychology. So it reignited uh, my uh, interest in understanding people, uh, no matter where they come from in the world. Uh-huh. And it's to say it's uh, yeah, it's opened up a whole new understanding of behavior and the why. So instead of looking at people and saying, "Oh, I don't like that person," I think, "Okay, I know what's going on. I know why I'm reacting." So. Sometimes people with closer eyes, and we actually uh-huh. measure that trait, they come across as very intense and sometimes very in your face. And when I see that, I immediately, okay, I won't, you know, I just try to calm them down. And it's effective uh-huh. because you're going to the why, and then you're adjusting your own response by having an understanding of how to work with people. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Um, but, you know, as you're saying, I'm visualizing you know, an old friend who had his eyes 
I'm seeing his face together, and he was a very, very, very intense person. It's unbelievable. So what did you learn most about yourself from studying this? Uh, this? Uh, what did I learn about myself? Oh, that I had a very asymmetrical face, which my parents were very structurally very different from each other. Uh. And I find when the parents are very different, that's what creates the asymmetry in the face. Oh. Now, when people have a lot of asymmetry, they can have huge mood changes. They can be on cloud nine one way, one time, and then down the dumps the very next minute. Really? And so I used to experience these mood changes, uh, and my mother would say, why are you so grumpy? I thought, I'm not being grumpy. She said, what's wrong with you? I thought, I don't know what's wrong, but I feel down. And wow. when I had my chart done, I was like, oh, now I understand. <laughs> and so when I meet people who have this asymmetry, one thing I do ask them, I say, do your parents stay together? No. Nope. Very different, difficult for parents to stay together when they're so opposite. And, what is what, uh, is, what is asymmetry? What does that mean exactly? It means that, say, one side of the face is wider than the other. Oh, okay. The what One side of the face, you can see what someone is... Uh, very tolerant. They, their eyes are more wide set, and then you look at the the eye on the other side, and it's closer to the center of the wow. nose. So ever wow. swing intolerance. They could have wow. more head behind the ear than in front on one side, and not the other. Like I was working with this uh, company in England. It was a startup company, and the top director he was hugely uh, asymmetrical, and you never knew what to expect from him. <laughs> He'd either be going off and um, being with his friends, and he'd suddenly come into the office full force, and it would create a lot of tension in the office. And then the CEO called me up, and they said, you know, what you uncovered with my men, so I'd worked with all the directors, he uh -huh. said, in the time you spent with them, he said, would it take my son, who does psychometric testing for large companies, months, years, maybe never? Wow. So you start to see it instantly. Like, if you look at sports players, for example, an easy one uh -huh. to spot. Sure. If you see a field and you don't, they haven't got a uniform, then maybe not a ball in hand, but you see them all lining up. If their legs are medium to short legs, probably they are going to be soccer players. Uh -huh. The high chance. Um, or even tennis players. A lot of short to medium-legged tennis and soccer players. If you see them with long legs, they're probably play, going to play baseball. And you see the patterns out there on the field. Uh, you'll see children who are not children, it's students who have closer eyes and cupped out ears. Cupped out ears indicate someone who's good at controlling things, which is good, but the, but the downside is they like to control people. But you see this in a lot of your baseball players. They're good at controlling the ball. Hmm. And they you typically will have closer eyes focused on the ball. Do you work with sports people at all? Uh, no, but when I do the assessments, I tell, suggest to people oh. what kind of sports they should take up. Oh, oh, and uh, it pretty much validates what they know. Uh, and, that's, uh, and that's the thing. But I feel this gives an edge over other tests. One, I don't ask any questions, certainly not when I'm in person, but if from photographs, I just ask five yes or no questions. And uh, because... I can't tell tell it from a photograph. It's very basic, like, do you enjoy writing? Are you competitive? 
uh, is your hair fine, medium, or coarse? Anyway, uh, but the um, lost track of what I was saying now. But uh, anyway, what if you're almost bald like me? What is that? Mean? Oh, <laughs> doesn't change anything. <laughs> I used to have medium hair. Well, people with I collected baby it. fine hair. Well, people with baby fine hair are ultra sensitive to smell, taste, touch, noises, coarseness. Whereas the coarse-haired people, which is most of your politicians, uh, (laughs) they can, uh, you know, they can handle the flag. I mean, look at Donald Trump. Look at the differences. You see all this this whole thing going on right now. And Donald Trump has this very wide face. Now, Uh, wide-faced individuals, they love a challenge. Oh, I can do that. Uh, Not a problem. But what's wrong with you? Whereas a narrow-faced person gains their confidence through knowledge. And we measure this trait. Like like me. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, like you. That's me, and I did. Exactly what happened. Exactly what happened to me. It was amazing when you said that, because I thought a lot about that, how how I changed so much over the years. Because I've been studying, you know, since college, reading about... You know, human behavior and psychology and science and all this stuff. And history, it's just... And as I learned more, I felt more confident. <laughs> you know, I I didn't realize it was uh, it was predestined. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody you know, but it gives have... people... Yeah, but I mean, it has to give people... You know, I, I think a lot of it I keep thinking about... You know, I work with people, you know, and, and people feel... One of the things that makes people feel most comfortable is that they're not the only ones like that. It's amazing That's how right. people could possibly think out of 7 billion people, they're the only people who feel this way or act this way or whatever it might be. And it's so crazy. And once they find out, oh, there's a lot of people who, you know, have this idea or feel this way, you know, and they feel I'm not, you know, I'm not odd or something like that it, it it goes a long way to making them feel a lot better about themselves so oh, absolutely. I and there's the, uh, you know today that uh, students are labeled adhd or add and yeah. i remember this young man coming to me his mother brought him to me she'd heard about my work and he her son was about to be expelled from school and he was a real troublemaker at home and i did his assessment and he had very short legs hard to sit still. These kids have to have exercise. They had to be out there, and they had a very very physical, they had a long space from the base of the chin to the nose compared to the length of the face, and very competitive. And he had a, what I call a square head, it's called a construction trait, which means bored by repetition. And he mm-hmm. had this cluster. So I said to his mother, you need to get out there and exercise him. Get him signed up in sports, go out on a bike, whatever it is you can do together. Well, I saw him two mm-hmm. weeks later, and she said, it's no longer a problem. Wow. The same yeah. little girl in England I worked Fantastic. with who was blind. And uh, there were, she was going to a special school for, for dis, uh, disabilities. And I said to her mother, your child is very bright. She said, well, that's what I thought. I said, well, she should have, no, I said, this sounds strange, but engineering's come up for her. And she said, no, she said, that's not strange. She said, because when the man came to fix the washing machine, this little girl who's blind at age nine, she goes up to him and says, it's missing on the first cycle. Will you show me how to fix it? Uh And after her assessment, 
her mother took her out from the school for disabilities to the mainstream schools, and she said her little girl just took off and went to the top of her class. Unbelievable. It's almost Yet she'd like... been working with counselors and people like that, and they saw her as not being very bright. And this is what happens to thousands, maybe millions of students today. They start to leave school like they are in a few months, degree in hand, and they haven't got a clue. It reminds me of the story of Helen Keller. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And uh, it's people, uh, they're, yeah, they're lost. They're lost in life. And something like this is so simple. Even if it just gives uh, a small piece is hard. of information <laughs> that makes their, turns their life around, just that in itself is worth it. But so simple is so easy to miss. That's the problem. Simple is so easy to miss. Simple is the yes. profound. Yes. So, I mean, yes. you know, uh, people people go with what they're used to, what they're comfortable with, you know, uh, like be like. I mean, it, when you think about it, 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 why should I be like my brother or my sister or, or the guy? Next, what do I got to do with them? You know, that's kind of it only yes. saying, well, you know, you're a problem for me or it, it would be easier for me if you. But people are so so unique yes, to try to fit them into a mold is is, is yes. cruel and yet it happens so often well it does and happen a lot and I remember seeing this young man in a parking garage and all I could see was a talent that was there and I said I had to ask him are you going to college no I'm not going to college well what are you planning to do oh well I'm a high school dropout who would want me and I said no this is what I do and I'm suggesting you get into film editing He's about 18. With that, he reaches out, catches hold of my hands. He said, you have just turned my life around. He said he'd been at the lowest point of his life that day and didn't know what he was going to do. And he said he'd always seen mistakes that people made in films. And it just came natural. I said, we've got a gift. I said, you know, you want to, I'm suggesting you pursue that and go and get into film editing. And he said, you know, he said, you you have no idea what you've done. And so it can be as simple as that. Mm. Or another time, this man sent me this photograph from Australia, and I said, oh, you should be a motivational speaker. Well, when he was in school, he was told by the psychologist there, he said, you haven't got any particular talent, so just take a general degree. And yet all mm. I could see was the talent written in his face. It's as mm. easy as that. Mm-hmm. So uh, how do you generalize from all these things, you know? What kind of general advice can you give people from all this kind of experience? That, well, you know, I, I, I come up with the career suggestions for them. I look for a 91% and higher match. I also explain more about the traits them. Like these, I find people who have a trait which is called construction, and those people uh, often wonder why they don't fit in with everybody else, why they keep changing their job, or uh, their parents have signed up for sports. Oh, I'm bored. I want to do something else. As you know, everybody with this trait goes through the same experience as you do. Oh, you mean I didn't learn this? I didn't develop as a habit? I say, no, not at all. And so I help people how to breaking better up a understand little. it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I, like, I, somebody procrastinators. Yes. I remember seeing this young man in the car, and I said, 
uh, I happened to put my hands on the head to do the measurement, and I said, oh, you're a huge procrastinator. Oh, he said, my parents think I'm a good-for-nothing individual and I'll never amount to much. I said, come on, you don't believe, believe that. And he's about 18, 19. I said, you have a gift. This is what I'm suggesting you do. Get into, um, uh, it was actually as, into the, um, uh, as a chef, uh, a gourmet wow. chef. But the, um, yeah, so, you know, I explained to him what I did and how to work with the procrastination trait. So if people procrastinate a lot, you know, I say to them, you know, use short-term goals, short lists, and deadlines, and then they'll get it done. If you give them a two-week uh, uh, deadline, it won't happen because they forget about it. And so I help them understand their trait and how to work with it. And also in business how, or in relationships, this is key for relationships. I can say if a couple are compatible or not, just like that. Right. Do you go into businesses and tell managers, uh, you know, why these people aren't getting along, someone's in the wrong department, or this guy should, or this gal should be the head of the department and somebody else belongs somewhere else? Do you do that kind of thing as well? Yes, and I've worked with a lot of startup companies, and they've they've shifted their employees around to different positions, and all the employees said, oh, thank goodness for that, I didn't want to do that job. <laughs> and I suggested the position they were better suited for. And if you if you create a team where they fit in their area yes. you, and understand each other better and how to communicate, yeah. you've got a much yeah. more productive team. Yeah. Boring people no, will leave I, the I, job. I understand. And, you know, and many other factors, yeah. Yeah, I remember I was a programming manager years ago, so I hired and you know trained the computer programmers at one point, and I always had the philosophy, if someone was, didn't belong in a job, you weren't doing them any favor by perpetuating it, they're better off you know, going somewhere else and finding where they actually fit properly. And what you're saying is they're even happy. You know, oh, absolutely. Because they're really miserable, but what are you going to say? It's a job, and they're going along. It's like inertia. They keep going until something stops them. And maybe pushes them somewhere else. They may be angry at first, and then they find out they're better off doing what they're, you know, more uh, inclined to do. Well, I was at so. a university, and I was giving a talk to the staff, and the ones who should have been there were the people who did the hiring. The office staff were there, and mm -hmm. uh, I got feedback the next week, and they said when they went to work. They saw the person this, uh, who had been hired for a position in their, their department, and they all looked at each other and said, I wonder how long she'll last. Three weeks. And not only they, then they, they, they fired her because she wasn't right for the job. You know, not only did that affect the woman who was hired, it was devastating for her. She'd lost yet another job. It was a waste of money for the uh, uh, university. And if they had just a piece of this information and matched them up in a position in the company that they knew would do well with, uh, you get better results. It's not saying, well, you don't have this trait, so I'm not going to hire you. You would have to look at the experience uh, and the, uh, that, that that person has uh, that you're interviewing. But this is what I do is just another piece of information that validates who that person is. Mm. Well, we're getting a little close to the deadline for the show. I have a, 
about five or ten minutes, but why don't you uh, quickly, you know, tell people uh, again who you are and how they could uh, find find you, and also uh, something about your books. Yeah, well, um, my name is Naomi Tickle, and my website is Naomi Tickle at um, uh, dot com, and. Uh, go to my website. You can watch a video on there and it tells you a little bit more about my work. Yes, this is more of an empirical science. It's not intuitive. And I offer career assessments uh, from photographs or in person. And uh, you get a, a, a personalized CD and a copy of my book and a list of career suggestions and any other um, questions you may have I'm there to support people, and I do have my book. It's called What Makes People Tick and Why, and if you order the book from my website, I will give you a complimentary personality assessment, which is about a $35 value, and, um, and a, which will also outline your innate abilities or your talents that you have. And, uh, yes, I do give talks and lectures, and uh, I also offer courses in this field, which is a great tool for coaches, uh, certainly, adds to their uh, repertoire of uh, when working with their clients. It uh, helps them to be more effective. And, uh, yes, and I, you know, I, I, I love my work. My passion, is, Paul, is about helping people get back on track uh, mm-hmm. in their lives. And, you know, it's like I was listening to this, um, uh, watching this video on uh, um, uh, Susan Boyle, who uh, sang at talent show, and she says, I, you know, I, have, I, I have a dream. And I thought, yes, yeah. you know, we all have a dream, but it's time to open the door and take that first step and discover what is that dream? Who are we? Start the journey. And uh, discover who you are and what it is that brings that passion into your life. It's so important. We have one life, and we need to enjoy it. Yes, yes. Passion is everything. Just as she discovered that the, the, I mean, her, 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 her music, her, her singing is magnificent. Yes, I've seen her video. Passion is everything in life. So, but in order to enjoy your passion you have to have the courage of your convictions so people believe in yourself if you don't who else is going to (laughs) exactly and that's simply what i do i just validate who people are and say someone believes me somebody knows me they say it's as if you've known me all my life right well sure i mean if you don't believe in yourself how do you expect other people to? And it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're either spiraling up or down. So turn it around, folks. It starts with you. Don't wait for other people to tell you who you are, how you are, and all that stuff. You have to feel it inside and go. The voice is there. And if yes. you want to know for certain, read Naomi's book, and that will clench it for you. Thanks, Naomi. Well, thank Naomi you, Tickle for being my guest. And if you want, again, to read more about Naomi, uh, What Makes People Tick, it's on Amazon. And she has other books. And you can also go to www.naomitickle, that's N-A-O-M-I-T-I-C-K-L-E.com. And if you want to know more about me, Paul Morris, uh, my main website is 
depressivesanonymous.org, depressivesanonymous.org. Well, thank you, Naomi, for being my guest. It's fascinating. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. Take care. Bye. We're going out with the entire Freight Train Freddy. He was up each morning with the dawn Because he knew his daily run was long and hard And he had to be ready To get his freight train down the track Determination he would never lack The little locomotive called Freight Train Freddy Everybody was his friend and they all helped him to the end To keep those freight cars rolling along steady He never knew what to expect and was very careful not to wreck The little locomotive called Freight Train Freddy the little locomotive called Freight Train Freddy. Bye, everyone.